0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at bethesdachurch.tv give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome uh, to Bethesda Church. Once again, we truly are excited that you are here. We kicked off a brand new series last week called You Asked For It, and the premise behind the series is that we receive a lot of questions uh, throughout the year. Uh, Some of those are um, frequently asked questions, and so what we wanted to do in this series is answer a few of the questions that we receive um, on a a consistent basis. So last week we answered, how do I resolve conflict in my relationships? Uh, Very important question. I hope you got something out of that last week. Today, we're going to answer this question How do I recognize God's voice? How do I recognize God's voice? Very few things are more important than this because you cannot have a relationship with God when you talk to Him but you never hear Him talking back to you. Am I in the right place? That makes it a one-way relationship. God is speaking. God wants to talk to you. God wants you to hear his voice. And so that's what we want to answer today. How do I do that? How do I know if an idea, an impression, a thought, if that is from me? Is it from the devil? Was it a bad burrito? How do I know if I've heard from God? That's what we want to answer in this message today. And I want to start with Proverbs 14 and 12. It says, what you think is the right road may lead to death. What you think is the right road may lead to death. What you think can be fatal. A lot of evil gets blamed on God. Have you noticed that in the world? People will do things, well, I heard from God, and you know they didn't hear from God because what they did caused damage or hurt. Um, 1 John 4 and 1 says, Don't believe everything you hear just because someone says it is a message from God. Test it first to see if it really is. And you can circle that test it first part, because that's what we're going to do today. I want to show you how you can test whether or not you have heard from God, how to test it. And so what I'm going to do is give you Um, seven principles in this message to help you test whether whether or not an impression, a thought, a word is from God or not from God. So I think this will be very, very beneficial to you. Um, At the end of the day, we need to know we don't get to pick and choose like which parts of the Bible we believe and which parts we don't. How many of you understand that? Uh, the same is true with these seven principles that I'm going to give you. Uh, I believe that if you've heard from God, all seven of these will line up. Like not one, three, five, and seven. I mean like one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Okay, so we're not going to pick and choose. Well, one of, that, one of those lined up, Pastor, I heard from the Lord. Okay, It needs to line up. All seven of these need to line up. And the reason this is important is because you can hear from God in one moment, and hear from the devil the next. Okay, great example, Peter. Uh, Jesus asked his followers one day, he said, who do men say that I am? And They gave a bunch of answers, and he looked at Peter, and he said, well, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, great job, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't tell you that. God told you that. You heard from God. But if you continue reading, you find out that Jesus told his disciples soon after that, that he would be going to Jerusalem and that he would be uh, crucified and put to death. And Peter spoke up again. This time he said, Lord, that's nonsense. And Jesus had praised him the minute before, but in this moment, Jesus looks at Peter, whom he had just praised, and he said, get behind me, Satan. One second, he hears from God. The next second... He's hearing from the devil, all right? So we want to be able to test what we are hearing, the impressions that we have uh, with these seven things. Before we get to that, look at John chapter 7, verse 17. It says, anyone who wants to do God's will can test this teaching and know whether it's from God or whether I'm making it up, okay? So it's important that, that we hear from God, and if we use phrases like God said or God told me, how many know we better be certain that God told us? If we are speaking on behalf of God and saying he said this and he said that, we need to be able to test it against these seven things. So the first thing you need to test it against is this question, does it agree with the Bible? How many know that's Hit your neighbor and say, that's simple. All right, that, th- th- we, we won't have any problem with this one. Does it agree with the Bible? Because God doesn't say one thing and then change his mind and say something else. If he said it, then it is true, and that means it will always be true, that it will, it will be consistent because God is not like you and I. We're moody. Like we say something now, and I was going to say like, like tomorrow, we'll say, no, in an hour, we'll say something different. Because we're moody. God doesn't get moody and what he says is truth and he doesn't have to change his mind on anything that he says. So we have to ask, does this impression, this thought, this word, does it line up with what the Bible says? Luke 21, 33 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. God's word is eternal. The earth is not. The earth wasn't with God in the beginning. He created it, right? So it's not eternal. God is eternal. His word is eternal. And we understand that truth never changes. Opinions change, but truth does not change. In fact, if it's new, it's probably not true. Well, I got two people with me. Okay. <laughs> What do I mean by that? If it's true, it's been around forever, we just discover it. It's kind of like my friend, um, and I won't give his name because who knows, he may be watching. I haven't talked to him in like 30 years, but he could be watching. Um, but I had a friend, we were growing up, and we were, you know how guys are, we, we go and spend a night with one another growing up, and that's like a big deal. But one night, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and he says, wouldn't it be amazing if we could just go to the end of the world, and see what holds us in, like he thought the world was flat, now how many know for a lot of years, everybody thought the world was flat, but we discovered later on that it's round, so he thought there was some wall holding us all in, and that we could potentially jump off, I was like, dude, it's, it's round, there's nowhere to fall off, and he could, not, he could not grasp that. Like, no, it has to be flat. No, we discovered it is round. It's always been round. And, you know, some people will say things like, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And it sounds good and preaches good, but that's really not what we should say. It should be God said it, and that settles it, whether we believe it or not. If God said it, it, that settles it. So the Bible tells us to be careful about adding anything to the Scripture. It tells us that if an angel shows up and says, hey, I got some new revelation for you, that we should not receive it. Here's what Paul said in Galatians 1.8. He said, let, let God's curse fall on anyone, including myself, who preaches any other message. Even if an angel comes from heaven and preaches any other message, let him be forever cursed. The book of Revelation says, do not add to what God has already said. So the first test is, is does it agree or is it in alignment with God's word? The second test is, does this make me more like Christ? If I've heard from God, it's going to make me more like Jesus. Okay, it's not going to make me more like the enemy. It's not going to make me more prideful. It's not going to make me any of those things. If I've really heard from God, it should produce the character of Christ in my life. Um, Jesus is the standard by which we evaluate every thought, every impression, every word from God. Um, Have you ever wondered why God doesn't just like create us or, or, save us and then take us to heaven? Like, why do we gotta deal with all this stuff? I believe part of the reason why God doesn't just save us and take us to heaven is because he wants us to learn how to operate in heaven while we're on the earth. That every day is an opportunity to trust God more, to demonstrate his character in our life every single day. And we need to be asking, how would Jesus feel? What would Jesus say? I know it's kind of cliche, but at the end of the day, whatever I feel like God has told me to do should make me represent Christ better. All right? It should do that. It should pass that test. And, and this is important to understand because we live in a world full of problems. And li- how many would agree life is not easy? Like, if you think life is easy, please come tell us. <laughs> Show us your ways. <laughs> oh, I feel like being funny, but I need to move on. Um, <laughs> tell us. Like, what, what is that? Well, how is life easy? Life is difficult. It's, and the reason it's difficult is because we live in a broken world. That means that we are broken people. That means there's no perfect person, no perfect marriage, no perfect country, no perfect church. If you're, if you're, uh, new to Bethesda, we're so honored that you're here, but you came to a real church with real problems. I mean, we're not perfect. We're, we're trying to, we're, we're trying to follow Jesus the best we can, but we all understand that we are broken people. Heaven is the place where we all relax. Heaven is the place where we relax and we chill out. Um, Philippians 2.5 says this, it says, in your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, we take every thought captive so that it is obedient to Christ. So at the end of the day, we need to understand Jesus is, the book of Galatians talks about the fruit of the spirit. Jesus is the fruit of the spirit. That's who he is. He is love and peace and joy and long-suffering and gentle and kind. And so we need to be producing that in everyday life. And especially if we're going to go around saying, I heard from the Lord, then it ought to it oughta cause us to be more gentle and more kind. Some people say, I heard from God, and they get, they, they, they get mean, judgmental, harsh, critical of people. And, and you gotta, you got to step back and say, I don't know that you've heard from God because it didn't produce any fruit in your life. If you've heard from God, it should produce God's fruit in your life. Now, in James chapter 3, this is a very, very cool verse, because what it does, it it gives us three things that we can know that an idea, a thought, an impression is not from God, and seven things that we can know it is from God. In James chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, he says, If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition... Such wisdom is of the devil. So if there's bitterness attached to it, envy attached to it, or selfish ambition attached to it, I didn't hear from God. And, and, and let's stop here and, and think through that. It means that, let's look at the bitter part. If I think I've heard from God and, and my impression is to get back at somebody, to retaliate. Oh, they're going to get what's coming to them. Bless God, I heard from the Lord. <laughs> you need to check it. You need to test it, all right? You, you, you need to say, hey, maybe that's not God, okay? Uh, also, envy. I, I'm going to buy that car because my neighbor going to be jealous. You can buy all the cars you want, but if it's out of envy and jealousy, how many know you didn't hear from God about that? at all. Selfish ambition. Like, I, I'm going to be the, the, the king, you know, king of the hill. Y'all, y'all never played that, though, did you? Um, but some of you did, I can tell. <laughs> some of you did. Um, but, but selfish ambition. God doesn't speak to us in self-serving ways. A lot of times we think we've heard from God, but the only person going to benefit is us. When we really hear from God, it'll benefit us, the people we're connected to, our family. So, so it's a very powerful thing that God doesn't speak to us in self-serving ways. But here's how he does speak to us. Look at that verse. He says, the wisdom that comes from God is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, impartial, and sincere. I love that verse because we can look at it and, and, and know, number one, if I've heard from God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pure. That if it's if I have any impure thought, I didn't hear from God. The second thing is peace-loving. And this means that if I have an idea, a thought, or an impression, and it's from God, it should produce and promote harmony, not conflict. Some of us think we heard from God and now our family's divided, our co-workers are divided, our church is divided. Oh, but I heard from God. Satan is the one who divides. God unites, God brings together. God builds, God encourages. And so we got to slow down and be peace loving people. A lot, not just peace loving, we got to be peace making people. A lot of people love peace, they just don't make any. You got to make peace. Jesus said, "Blessed are the peace not lovers, peacemakers." He says they are the children of God. So there's two kinds of people in the world, people who build bridges and people who build walls. Did you know Jesus was a bridge? He was the bridge that connected God to us. We are to build bridges with people, not walls between people. And so we need to be peace-loving, peacemaking people. Um, And I'm going to say this just because it's so good I can't just skip it. All gossip is satanic. All gossip is satanic. And the reason we know that is because the Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren, that his job description is to tear people down. Did you know that night and day he's accusing you before God? Night and day he's bringing accusation against you. He's critical of you. And and when we are critical of people, when we gossip about people, Satan's like, good job, you're doing my job. That's what gossip is. We are doing the role that Satan is called to do. Not called to do. That's what he does. Um, The third thing is considerate. I'll be considerate. That's what James said. It's considerate. The wisdom of God is considerate. That means if I have an idea or or an impression, that means um, it's not just going to benefit me and hurt others. It's gonna. It's, if it helps me, it's going to help other people as well. He goes on to say that it's submissive, which means that if I've heard from God, it doesn't mean that now I'm not teachable. It means that even if I've heard from God, I'm still teachable. I'm still humble. I can, I, I can still receive counsel. I don't say, bless God, I heard from the Lord, and everybody can just like it. <laughs> All right, that <laughs> sounds good. But there is some tests that we have to kind of put it up against to make sure if you've really heard from God and you're really that kind of person seeking God, then you're going to be humble about it. You're you're going to be submissive about it. You're going to be willing to have um, other people speak into that. Uh, Husbands and wives, if you get an idea and you think, I've heard from God about this, and you're afraid to even share it with your wife or your husband, you're just going to do it anyway, you probably didn't hear from God if you can't even bounce it off your spouse. That's a good indication. Like, if I've heard from God, then I can share this information with my spouse. Um, The next one is full of mercy. He said that it's full of mercy. The wisdom of God is full of mercy. That means that if I get something from God, a word from God, then I'm going to be merciful to you, forgiving to you. Um, Why? Because God has been gracious to me. How many would, would admit today God has been gracious to you? Right? Like he's been gracious. He's been good. He's been kind. He's been forgiving. So I, I should true wisdom means I will do that for other people. Um, when you find people who say they've heard from God and, and them hearing from God has made them more critical, more judgmental, less forgiving. They haven't heard from God. If you heard from God, you, you're gonna be less critical, less judgmental, more forgiving. All those things will apply. Then he says it's impartial and it's sincere. So don't don't use hearing from God as a means to manipulate people. How many know it's hard to argue the God card? Can I I do that here? Like you're trying to help somebody and they say, Well, God said. Well, how many know the conversation's over? God done told you. What am I going to add to that? Even though you're messing with everybody and you're 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 tearing people down, you're not you're not um, building anybody up. But you heard from God every now and then. You got to say, "Hey, stop it! Quit using the God card. Let's talk." Some people are like God said, and when they pound the table, you know they mean, "Let's shut up." I'm going to do what I think I should do. Um, we need to be impartial, sincere. And, and what this, if you study the text out right here, it means don't be hypocritical. Like, y'all know what a hypocrite is, right? We, we're one way in this crowd, but we're a different way in another crowd. We wear a mask, we're fake, we're phony. God said, no, don't, it, his wisdom is not phony. His wisdom is not fake. It, it's not impartial, it's sincere. So, if I've heard from God, I need to ask, does it agree with the Bible does it make me more like Jesus? And number three, this is going to be a heavy hitter right here. Does my church family confirm it? Does my church family confirm it? You need to ask other mature believers who love Jesus just like you what they think about the word you've received. I grew up in a church where everybody, you know, you know the scripture where Paul said everybody's got a song and everybody's got a prophecy and he's trying to set this church in order. I grew up in a church where we prophesied every service. I mean, sometimes 50 prophecies would go out, and the problem was none of them were judged. Did y'all hear that? None of them were judged. Like, and, and looking back on it, I realize sometimes when people said, you, you know how pe- people are too in church, they don't just say, you know, I think God said this. It's thus saith the Lord. Right? We go King James on everybody thus saith the Lord. And and a lot of those words were never judged. A lot of those words, nobody ever said, hmm, ah, you, you missed that one. And sometimes they missed it. Sometimes they were off base. We were so excited to give a word that we didn't slow down to allow that word to be confirmed by mature believers that can speak to what we feel we you know is an impression a thought or an idea from God. Ephesians 3:10 says God's intent is that through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. So God wants his wisdom to be made known to everyone, but he also wants his wisdom to be made to each individual, and he does that through the local church. Part of the reason you need a local church family, part of the reason you need a small group, is so that when you've heard from God, other mature believers can speak to that and either confirm it or say, hey, maybe you didn't hear from God. Maybe it was the bad burrito. And we need to be okay with that. Hit your neighbor and say, you need to be okay with that. If I am resistant to anybody speaking in a negative way towards something I feel is from God, I'm not willing to receive any counsel uh, with that. It just means that my pride is in the way. It it means that I'm not teachable. And, And here's what I'm saying. If a mature believer questions what you believe is a word from God, you should question it too. I'm not saying you have to completely dismiss it, but maybe you need to table it and pray about it a little longer. Is that all right? Okay. Some of you like, no, it's not. I heard from God. <laughs> the next verse in Ephesians says, the wisdom of the righteous can save you. You know what that means? It can save you time. It can save you pain. It can save you mistakes. But you got to be willing uh, to allow other people to speak to it proverbs eleven fourteen says in the multitude of counselors there is safety and a lot of people don't want any counseling when it comes to their relationship with god they don't want anybody to speak to it it's just them and jesus and nobody else listen it's never just you and jesus it's always you jesus and others and so we get we got to be cool with that. And you'll make fewer mistakes if you'll bounce it off other people. The fourth thing to test a word from God is it consistent with how God shaped me? Is it consistent with how God shaped me? Um, this is what I'm talking about. Before you were born, God already decided what your life should look like. God, God, how many know before you got here, God gave you certain gifts, certain abilities, certain talents and you, we are to use those gifts and those talents to do what God has called us to do for the for the upbuilding of his kingdom. And so we need to know that form follows function, function follows form, which is let's say it like this. God forms you and that determines what your function is. How God forms you determines what your function is. Ephesians 2:10 says we are God's workmanship Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before He formed you, He knew the gifts, the talents, the shape He had given you, and how that would would be a blessing to you and a blessing to to others and His kingdom while you're on the earth. And the Greek word, where, where it says you are His workmanship, that is the word we get, where we get the word poem. So God is literally saying to us that we are his masterpiece, we are God's poem, we are God's work of art, that there is nobody else on the earth like you. Quit trying to be somebody else. God has shaped you with unique attributes, gifts, and talents for a specific purpose, and I don't have to wear myself out trying to be something I'm not. Great leaders not only know what to do, great leaders know what to stop doing. There, there are some things, and, and I know, don't get mad, but I don't care if Tony Robbins said, you can be anything you want to be. He lied. I will never be an opera singer. It's not in my cards. I'm really bad. I can't fix it. I can't change it. No amount of coaching can get me to that level. I'm going to take it a step further. I, I'll never be able to play basketball like LeBron James. It's not happening. I can practice 12 hours a day. I, I could say, hey, hey Bethesda, I'm resigning. I'm going to pursue professional Basketball. That's what I'm going to do with my life. I can be anything I want to be. Problem. LeBron James is 6'8", jumps about that high off the ground. I'm six foot. I'm slow. And I can't jump. (laughs) Somebody needs to say, Pastor, you may not want to do that whole resign thing. You may let, let LeBron do what he does. He's got some gifts that you don't have. And a lot of times we're trying to do stuff, we're trying to be things that God never called us to be. We don't have the makeup for it. And so we have to ask, is this word consistent with how God shaped me? Romans 12 and 6 says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well, which also implies there are certain things that you don't do well. And hit your neighbor and say, that's all right. You don't have to do. Nobody does everything great. Y'all have met that person. Everything they do is amazing. No matter what you've done, they've done something better. It doesn't matter what field. Y'all have met that person, right? Some of you are like, yeah, I live with that person. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm having fun. This is better at 10 than it was 830. I apologize to the 830 crowd. Number five, does it concern my responsibility? Does it concern my responsibility? What do I mean by that? If it's not your responsibility, then why is God talking to you about it? I've had people like, don't even attend here. Um, You know what you should do, pastor? Man, I'm going down some roads today. Pastor, you know how you should run that church? They don't even attend here. Yeah, I'm sure God's talking to you about Bethesda every day. You don't even come here. I'm sure you're just spending all kinds of hours and time praying about this place that you don't even attend. If God is going to speak to you, listen, He's going to speak to you. Nine times out of ten, He's going to speak to you about you. And a lot of people, man, they want to hear God for you but they haven't heard God for themselves in 10 years. Their marriage is messed up. Their finances is messed up. They got conflict all around. But they got a thus saith the Lord for everybody walking by. Hey, why don't you work on your life a little bit? And then we'll have coffee and you can tell me how to live mine. All right. So let's, let's pick on Peter again. Because Peter, at the end of Jesus' ministry on the earth, um. Jesus is telling him, he's like, Peter, I want you to know that you're, you're really going to give a lot of things up for me. And he tells him, you're going to die because of me. You're going to die because of your faith in me. They're going to they're crucify you, Peter. That's what's going to happen. He's, he's literally prophesying Peter's future. And Peter, instead of just saying, man, that really stinks, you know what Peter does? What about John? John. what he does that's what he said he's like man that's kind of ha- I'm gonna die what about my buddy <laughs> and Jesus says Peter it's none of your business look, look at this look at this John 21 22. if I want him to remain alive until I return what is that to you you must follow me In other words, don't worry about other people. Don't try to figure out everybody else's life. What's that to you? That's what Jesus says. So if I'm hearing God's voice, I need I need to be listening, not for everyone else. I need to be the the most significant words I've ever received from God hasn't been for somebody else. They've been for me. Like when, I, when I've heard God speak, like he's not giving me one of those moments, like a burning bush moment to come peck you on the shoulder and say, you know what God just told me about you? Usually when he does that, it's, he's talking to me about me, not for somebody else. Now, you, and I know what some of you are thinking, does God ever speak to you know, through you, Pastor, to other people? Absolutely. Does God ever speak to you from other people? Absolutely. But we have to be careful with that. We have to be careful with that. We have to slow down and make sure that we've really heard from God, all right? And that shouldn't be something that's happening 24-7. And, and here, here's the other thing. A lot of times when God speaks through you to someone else, a lot of times you're not even conscious of it. Let me explain. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they didn't say, thus saith the Lord to you? I keep going to "Thus saith." I've got to quit that. Um, But in conversation, something they say, they don't even really know it, and man, it it just it causes your baby to leap. Like they don't even know that they just gave you a word. They're they're completely unconscious. You're just talking, and you hear God speak to you through them. Through that conversation, that's how it happens most of the time. Now, if you feel like you have a word for another person, I'm going to give you three guidelines for that. And they're not on the screen, but you may want to write these down. Three guidelines when you feel like God has given you a word for another person, because we want to be careful. Number one, be patient and pray. Don't You don't have to immediately pick up the phone and, and say, God said, pause, pray about it, be patient give god a chance listen give god a chance to speak to them directly give god an opportunity to speak to them directly secondly you need to understand that god will use you many times in that in that arena if you're speaking to another person on behalf of god it's to confirm something that god has already shown them like they have they they've either felt it or prayed about it something it's usually some type of confirmation The third thing, the third guideline, God usually does this without you being conscious of. I kind of already hit that point, but you need to know sometimes you're not even conscious of that. When God wants to speak to another person through you, many times we don't even know what's happening. Romans 14, verses 10 and 13, it says, We will all be judged one day, not by each other's standards or even our own, but by the judgment of God. It is to God alone that we shall have to answer for our actions. Most of the time, if God's speaking to you, he's speaking to you about you. Okay? Everybody on the same page. Number six, is it convicting rather than condemning? We've all met the prophet who's mad. And every time they speak, it condemns everyone. God works with conviction, Satan works with condemnation. There's a big difference. Conviction is specific. Like, if God is convicting me, it's going to be very specific. Chad, this part of your life is off. Repent, fix it, do something about this part. Condemnation used by the enemy is not specific, but it's vague. It's almost like there's a dark cloud of guilt over your life. It's not specific, it's just... Because here's the thing, God will deal with you about an area of your life, Satan will make you feel worthless. All right, so God is specific, that's what conviction does, it helps me to deal with the one area that, that God is putting his finger on, condemnation is like a dark cloud where I just vaguely feel guilty all the time. And the Bible says this in Romans 8, there is no condemnation to those who who are in Christ Jesus. You can't operate in faith as long as you're in condemnation. So God doesn't speak to us through a voice of condemnation, but it's conviction. And here's what you got to know about about your Heavenly Father. He never attacks your value. He will deal with you about something in your life, but He's not going to make you feel worthless and like you have no value. God doesn't speak like that. Revelation 3.19, God says, Those I dearly and tenderly love, I tell their faults, and I convict, and I discipline. So be earnest and repent, changing your mind and attitude. That's how God does it. He deals with an area. He will show you what area is off, what faults you have. But he's not attacking your value as a person. I meet people all the time that feel worthless. Like, Worthless. Like, I I just don't have any value. I don't even know why I'm here. And you know what's happened? They have listened to the voice of Satan condemn them. Satan has attacked their value. Revelation 12.10 says Satan is the accuser of believers. Have you ever noticed this about the enemy? Before you do something wrong, how many? Know he will always before you do it, commit any kind of sin, whether you say something, do something. How many? He always minimizes it before you do it. It's not a big deal. Everybody does it. It's cool. You'll be all right. And the moment you do it, then he turns around and says, "So you think you're you're a Christian? So you think you love Jesus? So he minimizes it on one end, and then he." condemns you on the other end so conviction is completely different than condemnation as the worship team comes number seven is do I sense God's peace about it if I've heard from God I should have peace if you feel pressure if you feel overwhelmed if you are confused about a decision that you're trying to make it may be about money about a relationship about parenting about about any of those things you need To be led by peace. Because 1 Corinthians 14.33 says God is not the author of confusion. If I have heard from God, it will bring peace into my life. One of the beautiful things about hearing from God is I can be going through hell. There can be storms all around me. But if I have heard from God, I will have peace in the middle of the storm. When God speaks, it brings his peace. As people of God, we are called to be led by the peace of God. and, and I'll be honest with you that I, I, I live my life that way. This internal thing like and you know whether you have peace or whether you have inner ter- turmoil about something and if you got inner turmoil about something, that is that is a warning light. That, that's saying no that, like Maybe that's not the way you should go. Maybe you need to pray about that a little longer. It, but but we, we are led by his peace. That in the middle of the worst storm of my life, if I've heard from God, I will have peace. And I want you to get this part right here. Satan wants to drive us compulsively. And God wants to draw us compassionately. I think we all have a little OCD in us. And Satan likes to take advantage of our compulsions and drive our lives. But you need to know, Satan wants to drive you. God wants to lead you. Big difference. Some of you feel pushed and driven and forced. That's not God. God doesn't drive you. God leads you. He leads us to walk by still waters. He doesn't drive us to it. He leads us there. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He's done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When God speaks, it doesn't create anxiety and worry. When God speaks, it creates peace. Proverbs twenty two seventeen. listen to this wise advice. Follow it closely for it will do you good. Then you can pass it along to other people. I love that. He says, I want you to listen and hear it. I want you to follow it, do what it says, and then I want you to share it with other people. So powerful. As I close this service today, the way I really felt like God wanted me to end this is that there are some people under the sound of my voice, and if you were being completely honest today, you would say that you heard God clearly in the past, but for whatever reason, you haven't heard him in a while. And I want us to pause in this moment and realize God did not stop speaking. So if we're in a place where we're not hearing God, it's not because God is not speaking. It's because we're not in alignment. It, listen, how many, if we're not hearing God, it's, it's not a bad connection on his end. It's a bad connection on our end. So it could be a relationship that we need to let go of, a bitterness we need to let go of, a sin, a habit. There could be something blocking the voice of God from speaking to you. And I'm not saying that in a condemning way, like you're leaving here, oh, I feel worthless now. I'm saying God wants that area of your life to change so that there's a direct line of communication where not only where you pray and read the word, but he's also speaking back to you and you're receiving his peace as he speaks to you. How many could use a little more peace in your life? You got to open up the line of communication. Would you stand with me all over this building? As you stand, I'm just going to ask that you bow your heads, close your eyes. I hope you receive something from the word today praying that you will hear God more clearly than ever before but if you're in this place and you can't hear God because you're not in relationship with God we want to help you make the right decision today to make Jesus the Lord of your life the Bible says that if we believe Jesus came that he died for our sins that he rose from the dead if we will believe that and confess Him as the Lord and Savior of our life and ask Him to forgive us of all of our sins, that we will be, we will be saved. And every, every believer, this is the cool part, every believer has a direct line of communication with God. You can go straight to the throne room of grace boldly, is what the Bible says. So I want to give you an opportunity. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. If you need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you need to repent of your sins and ask Jesus to save you. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Thank you for these hands right here in the middle. God bless you. Thank you for that one back there. God bless you. Thank you for this one. God bless you. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else say, that's me. Thank you for this hand up front. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for your obedience. Amazing. If you're watching online, there's people ready to pray with you as well. But I want us to lift our voice with all these hands that have gone up and let's pray with them as they come into the kingdom of God today. Every voice say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your word. Today, I ask you, to forgive me for all of my sins. I repent, and I ask you to come into my heart to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate all those people that made a decision today. Yeah. That's what it's all about right there. If you prayed that prayer, we want you to take your next step, and we want to help you with that. There is a Connect card in the seat backs in front of you. If you would take just a moment, pull that card out, write your name, let us know you decided to follow Jesus. We would love to follow up with you and help you take your next step. At this time, we're going to open up the altars. Um, Prayer team, staff, come forward. If you need prayer today, maybe for God's will in your life or hearing God's voice, we would love to pray with you and for you. Maybe you need prayer for something totally different. That's what this time is about. Let's continue to worship uh, as people come for prayer. Before we do that, though, let's give those that made a decision for Christ, let's give them one big hand today. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us, and have a great day.